Um, so let's start out with this. Uh, I would love to hear some people just say why you came to this class. Why did you come to this class? Something you'd like to get out of it. Something you'd like to learn to get out of this. My child is leaving a Christian preschool and going to the real Mount Brook school system. The real world. Okay. <laughs> the big bad world of the Mountain Brook School System. <laughs> the hard. I know, Shane, yeah. Totally. Totally. Love it. Okay. Um, someone else. Someone else. Why? Uh, something you'd like to get out of this. Something you'd like to learn. Anybody got anything there? I can use all the help I can get, and I have a toddler. There you go. Great. Okay. Um, I agree with Jeff, you know, Mary Margaret and expecting? <laughs> Thank you so much. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. You're the man. Dude, how good did Tua look yesterday? So mm. um, oh, great. Yes, thank you. That'd be awesome. What's that? Not a guy. No, but but that's on the way. That's on the way. Is Matt Stokes here? Matt and Laurie Stokes? They were. Yeah. I mean, their kids are in school. Okay. Yeah. He's supposed, to be, he's supposed to be helping this class. <laughs> and, you know, attendance is kind of the first step. Um, all right, well, that's uh, that's enough inventory. I'll pray for us, and uh, we'll get going. All right, Jesus, thanks for loving us. Thanks for dying for our sins. Thank you for um, the... Uh, thank you for blessing us with children, or thank you for, for blessing us to have children in our lives. And so pray, um, pray, Lord, that you would bless this time for your glory. I pray uh, that we would not feel overwhelmed, Lord, but we'd be comforted by... Um, by the work of your Holy Spirit and uh, your your love for us. So ask your prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so title of this class is uh, how, how to Spiritually Lead a Toddler. How to Spiritually Lead a Toddler. I am extremely passionate about the spiritual formation of toddlers. Um, I know I never thought I would say that, but I'm really into it. Um, and so I'm excited about uh, about uh, talking about this today. Uh, I think in every anytime you teach a class that uh, is directed towards parents, you have to start out with this because every parent already comes in feeling very inadequate. Every parent already comes in feeling like they are, they're failing miserably, and everyone comes in feeling exhausted. And so, um, so with that being said, we just have to always start out and remember that God loves your child a lot more than you do. God is much more competent than you and I as a parent. Um, and God is also much more uh, active and diligent and constantly pursuing and constantly uh, working on your child's heart through the Holy Spirit than you are. The Lord, the Lord is working on your child's heart while they sleep, while we sleep, while they're at daycare, while they're at school. The, the, the Lord never stops um, pursuing our children through the Holy Spirit. And so, with that being said, um, that that's to get that gives us you know relief. That that gives us relief to know that uh, the gospel is that we are incompetent. <laughs> Jesus would not have come if we were not habitual failures in pretty much every every spectrum of life, every category of life. <laughs> that's why Jesus came. That's why, and that's why Jesus' grace is sufficient for us. And so, um, we just need to kind of start out like with that reminder of the grace of Christ um, uh, and, and to kind of relieve us from feeling the sense of like pressure to perform and control and micromanage our children. Um, so for me, uh, so I have, um, I have been stuck in Toddlerville uh, since 2010. 
Um, I will be stuck in Tylerville through 2020. I uh, will have a two-month break where I won't be changing a diaper. God willing, Hutch successfully potty trains uh, in June, and then I'll be right back in diapers in August. So, so anyhow, I'm 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 in I'm in it with you. And uh, and I will say, so when I first became a parent, so I'd been a youth master for five years when I first became a parent. And uh, in terms of like research on uh, the spiritual formation of kids. So basically there's tons of research over the last 15 years looking at what are the things, what are the factors that positively contribute to a child being a church-going, Jesus-following Christian as an adult. We all know you can't really you know, take things that are that spiritual and make them into something scientific. But it is kind of interesting to kind of look at some of the correlations. And so with that being said, one of the big um, factors that I, before I had children that I kind of came to learn about um, whether or not a kid will be a church-going, Jesus-following Christian as an adult, it has to do with um, their, uh, has to do with their parents' involvement in their kid's spiritual life. And so historically, say the previous 50 years, um, the, the, what the church had communicated to parents was, hey, look, just like you have Little League, drop your kids off, the coach will teach them how to hit the ball. Or just like you had the piano teacher, drop them off, piano teacher will teach them how to play the piano. The church communicated to families, um, hey, like we got it, like you drop them off, we'll, you know, we'll teach them in Sunday school, we'll teach them in children's chapel, we'll teach them in youth group, like we got it from here. And so churches did a horrible job of educating parents on their role in their child's spiritual life. Um, and you know, if you look through, look at the Bible, and you look at um, what Scripture says about the spiritual development of kids, uh, it's a cooperative effort between families and churches. It's meant to be uh, the two walking in partnership. Second thing, just to consider that, just in practical terms, is um, you know, we only have like a couple of hours with a child on a Sunday morning. You know, we, I mean. In high school, we might get some additional hours with like a small group Bible study or meeting with them and stuff like that. But as far as a small child, uh, you know, you've got your two-hour block on Sunday morning. That's it. Um, whereas as a parent, you know, you have, you know, Lauren, don't you have about 10,000 hours of our children a week? <laughs> um, so with that being said, in terms of like investing in your child's spiritual, you're in a much better position to do so than we are. So with that being said, when I came into parenting, I was, I kind of had the advantage of haven't read a lot of this research um, on kind of parents' role in uh, spiritually investing in their children. And so um, another thing with that, too, is I think a lot of you know that my um, oldest child, um, oldest child passed away when he was three. And one of the parts, one of the big parts of his, the testimony of his life is that um, a lot of people were kind of surprised that, and this is not like a yay, we're such great parents kind of thing, but I mean, I think the Holy Spirit just knew that he was going to live short life and so he just happened to be like a really spiritually mature three-year-old and that sounds kind of funny but he really did understand the gospel with a fair amount of depth for a three-year-old and, and knew um, lots of the bible and lots of god's truth and that kind of stuff and so a lot of people had said um said like um you know we never really thought that you would start spiritually investing in your child you know when they're like one or two um we thought you know uh, and so with that being said uh that was part of the kind of God's work in his life, I think, is to, to show, to kind of maybe communicate to families that like you can start spiritually investing in your child like when they're a little baby. And so, um, so with that being said, um, we're gonna the, the two barriers that most people 
have when it comes to spiritually investing in a toddler are first, most people kind of think that because they're, you know, they're like one or they're 18 months, they can hardly talk, right? Um, they're in diapers, and we're talking about, you know, abstract things like the Trinity. Like, how is it that an 18 month old, you know, when you're, how is it that, uh, 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 you know, it doesn't make any sense to be trying to communicate spiritual things to, to a, a person who can't talk? Um, and so, with that being said, that that's that can be a, a barrier. And then the second barrier is a lot of parents really want to, um, they really want to spiritually invest in their children. They just practically, they just don't really know where to start, or, or it's like an intimidating thing. It's a thing where you think like, gosh, I just I don't really know that much, or I didn't, I don't have a seminary degree, or you just feel like very incapable, capable and inadequate. And so a lot of people just don't know where to start. And so one of the things we'll talk about today is, is how, how easy it can be. So the roadmap um, for where we're going to go is we're going to talk about the big picture of, um, I'll tell you the big picture in terms of our church and what we're trying to accomplish with toddlers, um, at, you know, here at church, but also like in collaboration with parents. Um, then secondly, we'll talk about that first barrier. We'll talk about, um, you know, uh, what what it, what can a one-year-old or a two-year-old or a three-year-old what can they actually retain? How do they learn? Um, what you know what is within their their cognitive capabilities? And then um, and then finally we'll go through um, have three questions. I'm supposed to be a panelist here who I saw an hour ago. Looks like I'm going to be the single panelist, um, but we can all talk. But we'll talk about the average day of like what an average day may look like in terms of spiritually investing in a toddler. Like, what are things you might do in the morning? What are things you may do in the car? What are things you may do at playtime? What are things you may do at nap time? What are things you may do at meals? So on and so forth that are just making spiritual deposits in the life of a toddler. So we'll get very practical. All right. So first off, I um, just wanted to share with you. Um, if, I think if you have this little document, I don't actually have one myself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but this is this document here. It, it has the mission statement uh, for all children in our church. And then, um, y'all are going to have to forgive me because I'm just kind of a nerd like this. But um, we have educational benchmarks for toddlers. Like things that we are trying to, um, at, you know, by the time they have left the nursery, uh, things we want them to know. And I do recognize that I use the term soteriology and eschatology in reference to your toddler, um, but I'll explain what that all means. I know I'm getting a look from someone like, holy cow, this is ridiculous. But, um, but I'm actually a teacher by trade, so uh, curriculum and benchmarks and that kind of stuff are kind of up my alley. Um, but so first off, big picture. Um, with parenting, you always have to be thinking long game. Long game, you know? Um, I, uh, I like to tell the story I think, did I tell it here? No, good. I told it in Indianapolis, so I can tell the story, and it won't be duplication. Um, but I always talk about how I had a uh, seventh grade, I had a, ba a basketball coach, and the basketball coach um, was so boring. It was so, so, so boring. We never scrimmaged in practice. We, um, we did footwork drills. We, weren't, we never shot. We never shot the ball. We would only do, like, one-hand shooting drills, um, we would practice passing. Uh, Tommy, I think you had this coach too. We did a lot of running. Um, and it was, I mean, practice was insanely boring. Okay? All right, so then, and we didn't win that many games. Eighth grade, it was a blast. All right, the coach, we scrimmaged every practice. We're, you know, 
shooting all over the place, didn't really do many drills, didn't do a whole lot of defensive drills, didn't do any kind of footwork stuff or dribbling or passing drills, anything like that. And it was really, really, really fun. Okay. All right. So I'm 37 years old now. And when I go play basketball, like my seventh grade coach is like always on my shoulder. Like it's, it's unbelievable. It blows my mind. So like the basketballs on this wing, I know I am standing in this, this place in the lane playing help defense and see my man in the periphery of, of, you know, in the periphery so I can play help defense. Like when I move my feet, like drop stuff, shuffle, shuffle, you know, bounce passes, like all of these like fundamental things, like, you know, just organically making backdoor cuts, how to run the floor, all that kind of stuff. 100% all from my seventh grade basketball coach. Not a really fun year, uh, but it was like fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. And so it's pretty cool that in 1992 and 93, when I was in the seventh grade, um, that like when I'm playing basketball, everything I have is really for my seventh grade basketball coach. And so that's kind of the vision you want to have. And, and basically, and nothing, nothing is from my eighth grade coach. It was a fun year. I have the memories. But in terms of like the things that actually helped me play defense or helped me, you know, pass or shoot, whatever, none of it comes from my eighth grade coach. And so that's, this is the kind of long game you want to have with your children. And that is like, you're not going to see, you're not, especially when you're talking about spiritual things, you're not going to see instant results. Um, you're thinking as a parent of like your child is a 28 and a 38 and a 48 and a 58 year old. You're, you know, I think Ed Salmon says, you don't love your parents, you don't love your children so that they'll love you, you love your children so that they'll love their children. So that's very much like a long game view. And so with that being said, like, um, it's, it's very much like kind of the thankless work of fundamentals, like with a child. With the, with the long game view and hope that like our belief is that the most satisfying, meaningful, peaceful, joyful life that your child can have as an 18, 28, 38, 48, 58 year old is a life lived in intimate, dependent relationship with Christ where they live for his glory and for his kingdom. And so that's the long game. Yes, Matt, I'm so glad you're here. Um, that is the, uh, that is the long game view of what we're going for. And so that's the first thing I would say is, uh, to have a, um, first thing I would say is to have you know, big picture vision and don't get caught up in the fact that I'm reading Bible stories to a 12 month old or to an 18 month old. Um, you know, that's, that's okay. Um, you know, I'm not really going to get into the, uh, the mission statement or the, um, educational benchmarks, but, um, but you can kind of see when you read it, we're just hoping that basically when a child is around the age of three, that they'll just know some basic things like, um, they'll know, that the Bible is God's word. They'll know that God loves me, that God made me, that God made all things. They'll know that I was made for his glory. They'll know that Jesus is real. He was a real person. He was a real God. Um, and so, so basically, these are things that we kind of work on in the nursery and, um, and that just organically, by doing some of the things we talk about today, that kind of will organically occur in your child's life. Um, the, our mission statement is the Church of the Advent desires that all children in our congregation by the word, the gospel, and the spirit will see and hear, know and trust, love, worship, and glorify our Lord God and His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not going to really break that down. I'm just going to kind of blitz forward. But you can, you can, uh, you can meditate on that tonight. <laughs> um, help you fall asleep. But anyhow, so with that being said, so that's kind of the big picture of Christian education. Our hope is... When your child, um, when your child finishes in the nursery, 
that um, ba- the basic big picture is they'll know they'll, God will not be foreign to them. Like by the by the end of like their 18 month old, when they, by the time they're an 18 month old, they're no, God will not be a foreign concept to them. And then they'll also know that God made them and God made the world. And then by the time they finish in the nursery, big picture, they'll know that Jesus is real. Je- you know, Jesus will be a real concept for them. And so developmentally, that's kind of big picture what we're gunning for. All right, so then next, um, here we are, great. Not great. I cannot find my next sheet. Oh, well, it's okay. That's not what I saw when I was using off my computer. It's fine. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, go for it. So on here, I don't, I mean, and I know you have a reason, but I don't see a lot about human nature on here other than Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Like what... Yeah. What's the thinking on educating about sin? Your, your child about depravity. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. That, that's that's something that should be in there. Oh. But ba- the basic um, basic concept of just I'm a sinner should be in there. How do you break that down for an 18 month old? I, I don't. I don't. See, here's the thing, and that actually that's a good segue to our next point. Okay, our next point. Yeah, our next point is. Um, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place here. Great. Okay. All right. So first, so to that point, kids understand. So our first barrier is that kids can't understand abstract or spiritual things. So why even start? Okay. So here's the thing. You don't wait until your child understands microbiology to teach them to wash their hands. Right. You don't teach them. You don't wait until they understand the the sanitary implications of having poop in your diaper before you potty train them. Right. Like, you teach them to wash their hands because, you know, you just teach them to wash their hands after meals. So the first thing they learn is, I need to wash my hands before I eat or after I come into play, right? And then that develops into, we want to stay healthy and clean. You know, maybe that's when they're four or five years old. So that's what washing their hands becomes. And then they learn about germs and getting sick in elementary school or middle school. So now they know I wash my hands because there are germs and germs make me sick. Well, then they get into high school and they do biology and they start to understand, you know, about pathogens and they, they get into the biology of it, okay? So we don't wait until they're 18 to start explaining that. So with that being said, like with a toddler, uh, I just want Mary Matthews, Mary Matthews knows that she's a sinner. Mm-hmm. Now, she doesn't know, she, 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 she may know that like breaking God's law or doing wrong things is sin, that's an act of sin, but she does know that she's a sinner, um, she doesn't know what that means in terms of like the ontological and theological implications of that. She doesn't understand that that you know that she has a nature where she inherently rebels against God, um, and so she, she doesn't understand the need for God. Yeah, and so with that being said, um, in terms of sin, I would think with a toddler, I'm trying to communicate first off they just know that they're a sinner, and secondly they know that sin is like doing bad. Now, as they get older, we're going to nuance that, and it's going to be a lot deeper. But that's that's kind of like that's a starting point. So, with that being said, um, with that being said, something to that's an encouragement is that the word of God and the message of the gospel, like it has life and power in and of itself, especially you know in tandem with the Holy Spirit. So, for example, Hebrews 4:12, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So you see, like, when you are reading your child a Bible story, or you're telling your child about the love of Christ, the gospel, um, like, that word has power in and of itself. It has invisible power. And it is like doing work on your child's soul that is like, that transcends your child's cognitive abilities. And so, um, you know, it's basically, I'm trying to think about this. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit is doing an invisible work through his word. You see in the book of Acts, you see that the gospel and the word went forward and people's lives were changed. Keep in mind, you have people in the world, in this church, in any church, who may be PhDs and they don't understand the gospel. Like they have all the cognitive and intellectual ability in the world. You see in the Bible, in the Pharisees, they knew, they knew everything religious. They didn't understand the gospel. And so my point in that is saying that the word of God and the gospel has transcendent power. And so by just kind of faithfully communicating the word of God to your children, um, it, it, it is doing something. We don't see it. It's invisible, but it's doing something like in the soul of your child. Um, so in terms of like developmental concerns about where your child is, your child as a, a toddler has two developmental questions. Question number one is, am I loved? And question number two is, what can I get away with? Like, what are the boundaries? That is why, you know, when you have an 18 month, two, uh, you know, two year old, three year old, you know, they just, they will look at you and they will disobey, like in your face. And that is them kind of asking the question, what can I get away with? And really, that question is a question of like, am I secure? Am I safe? That's why, that's why discipline is like a loving thing, uh, is because it's, it's helping answer that question for your child. Like, there is somebody watching over me, and, uh, there is somebody, who is, um, there is somebody who is kind of regulating the boundaries. And so with that being said, you know, with that developmental question, number one, am I loved? We obviously want to show that to our children, right? We want to be affectionate. We want to tell them we love them. We want to care for them, so on and so forth. And two, in answering that question, we want them to know that like God, like God loves them. And so, like, one of the things that I like to do, like, ask my children, I'll say, you know, mommy and daddy, you know, mommy and daddy love you, right? Like, yes. And I, but you know who loves you more than mommy and daddy? And then I'll say, Jesus. And they'll say, who loves you more than mommy and daddy? And they'll say, Jesus. Jesus loves me more than mommy and daddy. And so, in answering that question, I don't want that the answer to the question, am I loved, just to be exclusively affirmed by mommy and daddy. I want that question to also be affirmed by... Um, affirmed by knowledge of that God loves them. And in fact, God loves them better than mommy and daddy. And so, so anyhow, so that's one developmental question. Second development, developmental question, what can I get away with? Like when we, um, in our better moments, I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the best discipliner, disciplinarian in the world, but, um, I'm pretty bad in fact, but, um, but, you know, one of the things we say, you know, when, particularly like when Mary Matthews is really disobedient, um, and constantly, you know, is being like getting a time out is, um, so, and I got this from Rita Wright. You, would you, would you mind sharing it since you're the author of it? Uh, it's basically, basically like we have rules yeah. and like God has given us rules. And if you don't obey mommy, daddy's rules, you won't obey God's yeah, rules. We, we were just 
really consistent with when they first, they didn't get punished unless they were, I mean, on purpose breaking the rules. So, if it was an accidental, then, you know, we, we talked to them about it. If they uh, intentionally broke it, say, you disobeyed, uh, you disobeyed me, and now, you know, you're going to have consequences. They may not know what that meant mm-hmm. they started figuring out what that meant. So we put them in the room, and then I, we go in and say, um, you know, I love you too much to let you ask, act like that. If you are disobeying me now, it'll be easier for you to disobey God later. Mm-hmm. If you obey us now, it'll be easier for you to obey God later. And then we would do the one slot on the bottom. It was not painful, but, I mean, they were already crying before we got started. <laughs> and then we leave them just for about 15 seconds. We walk out, leave them for about 15 seconds, come back and reconcile. Because we thought that short, sort of showed that when you're disobe- disobeying, you're breaking the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then we're the one that comes back in, and it's more gospel focused. We're the ones that come back in to restore the relationship. Great. Yeah, and so, like, in that... You're kind of part of part of that. And that part of that's just like sharing the gospel is phenomenal. And like in terms of discipline, asking this question, what can I get away with? It's helpful for them to know mommy and daddy have boundaries, and God has boundaries too. And that kind of increases their sense of security with God and with a parent. All right. So in ter- another thing in terms of developmental concerns, in terms of cognitively, um, cognitively, like what can a toddler do? Um, one thing is is that especially as they're like 18 months to three. I mean, we all kind of know this. You're seeing all the words they learn in a day. They have incredible plasticity in their brain. So they actually, that's why it's really smart. Uh, we have a family in our church, um, and husband is originally from Nicaragua. Wife is from Belgium. They met in Belgium. They, um, oh, yeah, no. yeah, you're smiling. Yeah, they're our friends, Julie and Antonor. And, um, and anyhow, they, uh, in the, you know, in, in the home, they don't just speak English to their children. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so that being said, they're you know they speak with their family abroad through Skype, so they have to speak that language, and they take them back over the summer for mm-hmm. them, and they go into the public schools there, and so they're reintroduced to full immersion. Right. Wow. So yeah. So anyhow. So with that being said, and that's not uncommon, you know, in like in Europe, and so every you kind of know that if you're trying to teach a child language, you start right off the bat. Someone who has you know language exposure when they're zero, one, two, three, has an insane advantage um, than someone who starts after three and a half. And at the time when they moved here that they spoke, they were predominantly around English speakers and mm-hmm. speaking English, and she was watching English TV shows and listening to English music. And so they, they started introducing, again, more, more Dutch music and more Dutch TV shows. Great. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, like, um, your child... Um, can actually kind of learn and retain a whole lot more, particularly music. And so I think that music is one of the best ways that you can kind of be spiritually investing in your child. Um, I'll talk about it more in a second, but like when we're in the car, we play lots of like the little uh, scripture set to music CDs. One of them is here. Uh, Songs for Saplings, ABC. And it's just like little short scripture verses, right? Over and over again. 
And we also, um, we do this in children's ministry as well, but Ask Me Who CDs. Anyone who has a baby baptized here at the church get these, gets one, the, the first one of these. And, uh, and there's a second and third one as well. But, um, but, so basically, this is the children's catechism set to music. And so it asks, you know, this is entirely because of the CD. I can, you know, can say to Mary Matthews, Mary Matthews, um, how many persons is God? Three persons. Name those persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. She's just citing the lyrics from the song that we listen to in the car. Um, and then... I will get to the. I'll get into this a little more in a second. But praise, baby. I know we're gonna sound like the, the most like <laughs> Christiany. Y'all are gonna start asking. Oh no, I'm not about to say something that would be controversial. We sound very Christiany. We'll just say that. Praise, baby. Anybody ever had Baby Einstein? Anybody play that for your toddler? Yeah, praise, baby is Baby Einstein with worship songs. <laughs> but anyhow, I know feel like a total nerd. But hey. Um, I guess I'm a professional Christian. I better, I better be doing this stuff. Um, but anyhow, so that's just to say, like, especially things that are done in repetition, like listening. I mean, I'm sure some of you have a child who's like three who can't read, but they can read a book because they've memorized all the words, right? Yeah. And so with that being said, in terms of like scripture verses, in particular, the catechism, um, in particular, the catechism, like your child can actually learn a ton. Do they? Does Mary Matthews understand any of the implications of the Trinity? No. Not at all, right? But it's, but it's, but you've got to start somewhere. You've got to build some foundation. And so, hey, it's great that as a four-year-old, she kind of knows that there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can, you know, we can build on that later in terms of the depth of that. Um, so the things they learn through, sorry, one second. The things they learn through best, they learn through music. They learn through stories. Um, they learn through tangible activities. So, like, a good thing, I know someone, it's Oscar and Emily Price's, uh, oh, it's Oscar's mom. She'll take the kids out, and if you go to the zoo or you go out to the botanical gardens, we're getting to you guys. When we get to the botanical gardens, um, you know, I'll always be saying, like, isn't this rose beautiful? Can you believe that God made all these beautiful, you know, uh, these beautiful colors? Or, like, we watch um, Planet Earth. Uh, the BBC series, <laughs> definitely have to sit behind and edit that one because you don't want your three-year-old watching a lion eviscerate a you know, gazelle, <laughs> which happens like every five minutes. But like, oh, look at that amazing, look at that amazing fish. Look at that whale. Isn't it cool that God made that? So, so they're seeing, they're observing, and it's a tangible thing. They're touching you know, the leaves, they're touching the tree, they're touching the grass, and you're kind of reinforcing that God made all of those things. Um, and then finally, sorry, you had a question. I'll get to you in a second. The, um, they learn through observation. Um, and so this is, sorry, this is going to sound a little bit kind of like performance Christianity, but I will intentionally like read my Bible in the morning. Like I'll get up with the kids and I'm kind of like usually kind of the first shift when I don't have like a Bible study. Lauren's like, "Mm, more or less. Um, anyhow. And so I'll do like, I'll read my Bible in front of them and like kind of do my journaling and whatnot just because they're kind of seeing like, oh, daddy reads his Bible every morning. And so, um, and you know, our children uh, who have been potty trained, Mary Matthews and Cam, they've all had a moment where they were on the toilet and they asked for their Jesus storybook Bible. I have no idea where they picked that up. (laughs) Lauren, jeez. Anyhow, so anyhow, TMI. So sorry. So last thing I'm going to say on this, and then we're going to talk about practical things real quickly, is um, like, take advantage of this age. Like, make hay before the sun goes down. Because when they are 13 and 14 and 15 years old, 
like they are not going to want to sit down and read the Jesus Storybook Bible with you. You know, they are not, when you like want to ask them catechism questions, not that that's something that most people do, but I do. Um, but it, they're not going to want to like, you know, they're not going to want to be like, hey, hey, 13 year old or hey, 16 year old, like, you know, uh, what is your only comfort in life and death? They're going to be like, screw you, mom. Like, just give me the keys to the car. I'm going to the summit. Anyhow, um, give me my phone back, you know? Um, so with that being said, like you're at an age right now where they want you to read them stories. They want, they want to listen to music. They like to sing. They're cool with saying a blessing at the dinner table. They're not, you know, striving for independence and autonomy, which they will do when they get to be in the middle school age. And so if you have a toddler or elementary age child, young child, like totally, totally take advantage of the momentum that you have that they're, they're excited about doing things with you. Okay. So, sorry, I've tried to pack way too much into this. Average day, um, average day where um, just like practical things that, that you may do throughout a day. Matt and Lori, would you mind telling us, like from waking up to going to sleep, different like, and just think about this as deposits. Don't think of this as like a program. Don't think of this as like a formula. Just think of this as like opportunities to make spiritual deposits uh, in your child's life. And so, sorry, you had a question. My bad. Before I go to that. No, no, that's fine. Um, we actually let, let our three-year-olds watch the, the lion kill the, the animals. So maybe that, that's the <laughs> okay. answer to my question. But, but what I'm, I've always struggled mm -hmm. with is, and, and I mean, I see it in some of the, you know, Jesus Stories, the Bibles, and the little, little books, and I, it's like I always have it, I always want to pass over it. What I have trouble kind of understanding how you explain to a youngster is the stories where they literally say it's like yeah we're now nailing jesus to the cross and yeah totally dying, yeah and now jesus is coming back to life i mean and i know that that's what we believe but but how would do, do you just use those words and just go ahead and tell the toddler oh jesus is dead and jesus was resurrected three days later and you leave it and you move on or, or what yeah happen? yeah yeah sure are you talking about like some of the dark things in the bible like the flood for example well, yeah and i Time explaining that, then <laughs> there's something yeah. like, you know, the violence of it. It's just very hard to explain. I mean, do you just tell the story and, and you know, your kids are just, they, they just kind of process it and they keep going? Or, or Yeah, are, so are you talking more about like the dark, violent things of like the cross, or are you talking about the supernatural things of like the resurrection? I guess I'm kind of talking both. Okay, yeah. The violent things, I would say there's like a three year old version. So let's say that, let's say that you had an, you know, an aunt or uncle get brutally murdered. I know, sorry, bad example. Like you, you're not going to communicate the, the graphic details of that to your three-year-old child. And so I would say the, there's a three-year-old version of that. There's a five-year-old version of that. There's a 12-year-old version of that. So in terms of the dark things, I, I would just kind of ask God for wisdom on what's an appropriate three-year-old version. I, you don't want to like water it down. Um, nice, nice play on words to the flood. Um, <laughs> no, but um, but anyhow, but at the same time, like. I, I don't tell Mary Matthews like, and then all of the people drowned, and they were under God's wrath. That's just not the that's not the version I tell her. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. And then on the supernatural things, supernatural things, they haven't been corrupted and polluted by the Western uh, indoctrination into secularism, so they're open to supernatural things. So they actually have less of a problem with supernatural stuff like Jesus rose from the dead and the miracles than we do because we've been educated in 
and, and indoctrinated in the post-Enlightenment West where we've been told that anything supernatural is ignorant and stupid. And, you know, supernatural things don't happen, miracles don't happen, blah, blah, blah. So your child is actually um, going to be a lot more receptive to supernatural stuff than we are. A lot of our, our kind of hesitation to that is just a product of kind of living in a scientific age, in a technology age. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about um, supernatural stuff. S- sorry, can we, sorry can, we, can we go through average day? Um, average day. Deposits you may make from, from waking up to uh, bedtime. Um, so a confession real quick. The reason we were late is I forgot this was today. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. No, it's, it's my fault. My bad. You've had three rounds of toddlers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Lucy and Oliver are closer together, so they're kind of doing this at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's extended toddlers um, with those two. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in the mornings, um, that's a little a little chaotic trying to get everybody out the door to school. Um, but um, periodically, see, everything we do is totally inconsistent, but we're consistent about it. Uh, and so, you know, when we're, when we're pulling it, we kids go to school here, so when we're pulling up, um, I try to be consistent about praying with them when we just turn, you know, come around the block. Um, hmm. I'll forget and they'll remind me. That's great. Um, and and I, when I say forget, I mean that could be three weeks of forgetting. But at some point, they'll come back and say, "Daddy, can we say our prayers before we go in?" And that's me praying, and it's it's praying about real things. You know that um, some of it is is very, um, um, you know, thirties of the law, and that the kids would be obedient to their teachers and kind to their friends, and yeah. they would work hard, but that. At the same time, that they would always remember that that the Lord loves them and, and died for them. Hmm. Uh, uh, the younger two kids, especially, um, but but our older two, really love the, the catechism CDs. Um, so that's as much as we can tolerate it. That's that's <laughs> common, and we intend to actually get the other two versions, so we can always get something new. From you try, we try to be consistent with some, some Bible time at night, but again, between homework and soccer practice and, and a few other things, that's a little bit tricky. Um, we're trying to, in addition to something like the Storybook Bible, actually use the text of Scripture mm-hmm. um, to get them acquainted that that's for them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least a psalm, you know, something that's a little more easily digestible. Uh, we got a Praise Baby DVD for a birthday. And um, watched it once. <laughs> that's about all we're doing. Yeah, it'll, 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 <laughs> no, that's all right. That's okay. Different strokes, different folks. Thing, one thing we've started, and really we've done it like once or twice, is um, I got them little, just like the Naaman sent like notebooks that are all bound, and got them like colored pencils, and I'll read to them a Bible story message, just draw a picture of what you think wow. that is. And you know, Jack is like drawing details. Lucy's frustrated because she just wants to get it just right. And Oliver is just like, you know, Sunday. <laughs> and it's great, but I think um, just putting that physical thing together with thinking, because at night we do try and read, but I mean, they're sleepy, we're sleepy, we don't mm-hmm. always have the time to. So we're trying to do like once a week, like let's sit down, let's spend 15 minutes doing that. Um, but I think, you know, just being consistently. Inconsistent. Yeah. Your children, and, and like you said, speaking scripture, reading the scriptures, even if they don't understand them. The, um, Oliver, our three-year-old, his favorite part when we read the 
the story bit bad, which story does he always want to read is Jesus dying on the cross. I want to oh. read that one. I want to read the one where Jesus died off the cross. <laughs> really? Oh, they really? Really? Every day. But, yes, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I know that's, it's nothing like. Yeah, that's, that's very, very helpful because what you're showing there is like, it's not like no one has, I mean, life is kind of crazy. So there's this, no one can have like a perfect system. Like, so for us, like we're going really quickly, wake up in the morning, when Hutch was little, I'd put in Praise Baby just as a distraction. Um, when um, we get in the car, we, a lot of times we have, we usually have, you know, some kind of kids Christian CD on there. Before nap time, like Hutch will read a truck book. We'll always read like one Bible or one story, like read aloud Bible stories or that's how much God loves you or thank you God or you know something along those lines. Read Always read them one story before a nap. Um, before we have dinner, we'll always, um, we'll sing the blessing and, um, and so we'll sing like the doxology or uh, God our Father or have there are a couple of gospel songs I like, thank you God. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, also too, when I'm like, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm not one of those like uh, baby wise, just deposit them in the, the crib kind of people. I always kind of sing them a few songs before, um, by the way, that's nothing wrong if that's your thing. Cause I've, I've, I've been advised multiple times against like rocking them to sleep, but, but I always will sing them songs. A lot of times songs from the worship service. Um, surely does God who saves me, uh, the doxology. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, so we'll sing songs like that, um, and and then I always I'll pray for them, you know, as I as I rock them, and then you know I'll ask Mary Matthew in particular, like, "Mommy, Daddy, love you," but who you know who loves you more, Jesus. All right. So last thing, we're gonna put together a document. We're gonna have different families on a Google Doc put in like these are books that we read, these are CDs that we have, these are movies that we have, these are th- practices that we do, and we're gonna have like a collective document. That we were just going to, you know, people sharing practical ideas. Um, and so we hope to have that done in the, by the beginning of next school year. So let me pray for us. If you have questions, please come hang out afterwards. I'm sorry it's was so long. Um, Jesus, thank, thank you uh, that you're a good, good parent to us and to our children. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be alive and at work in the lives of our children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.